Good morning, good morning, good morning. My name is Glenn Griner, one of the pastors here at Union Chapel. You guys keep paying me, so I keep coming back. What a great way to start the new year. It felt a little early this morning, didn't it? When that alarm went, I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. But here you are starting off your year right. Good on you, good on you. So glad you've decided to join us. I'm excited about the message today. The title for today's message is Come and See. And it's about the power of your story and the power of your imitation. And so before we jump into that, I just want to start off with prayer. Is, could there be any other better way to start off your year than with prayer? So bow your heads with me. Jesus, we come before you. First of all, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you for your wondrous sacrifice. And thank you that, that you are coming after us, that your spirit is on us. And so Jesus, we ask for your power to rise up inside of us. Let, let your salvation have its perfect work in us so that we can be conformed into your image, so that we can experience your joy and live the life that you have laid out for us. And so Jesus, your word is magnificent. And we come before you, and we ask that you, Word of God, would speak to us, open up our minds and our hearts to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, our text today comes from John 1. We're going to begin in verse 43, so thumb your way there. Maybe you've got your Bible app open. Uh, maybe you've got the real thing, the paper, in your hands. And of course, we'll have the words up on the screen, too, for everybody like me who's a little bit lazy. So we've got the words on the screen for you. If you would, let's stand in honor of reading God's Word. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and whom the prophets also spoke, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see. That's our message today. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. <laughs> and Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. Then he added, very truly, I tell you. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Thank you. You may be seated. May God's word be lifted up here and speak to our hearts. Now, if you've been around Union Chapel for the last month or so, we've been talking about the story, and the story is kicking off Sunday, January 30th. You may be wondering, what is this all about? And so it's a 30-week series that's going to take us chronologically through the Bible. And we're going to start January 30th, and we're going to wrap up the first half sometime in May, and then we'll kick things back up again in the fall and take care of the New Testament. And here's what we found. We found that churches all over the area, all over the, the, the U.S. have done this, and it's been a time of unprecedented growth. And part of the reason behind that is because it, it's where our greatest desire converges with our greatest need to experience and know God's word. And so we're believing God for great things to happen. And so the, this message, come and see, it's a challenge for you and me. It's a challenge for us to pray and trust God 
to move through us as we invite other people to meet him. And I can feel the tension in the room talking about it right now. Because this isn't like a socially acceptable discussion. I mean, you know, the statement's been around forever. You don't talk about politics, which a lot of us do, and you don't talk about religion. Well, this isn't religion. This is Jesus that we're talking about. But I think the tension in our hearts comes from fear. And one fear that we have is that we're going to mess it up. If we try to tell someone about Jesus or invite them to church or be a part of it, we're going to offend them or all that kind of, we're, we're, we're just afraid that, that we're going to get rejected. But the fear that I hear about the most from people at church and the fear I have most from myself is that I'm going to mess it up. And here's the truth, friends. You can't mess it up because Jesus is in it. You see, Philip and Nathaniel, they teach us what our job is. Our job is to ask people to come and see. Jesus' job, he's the one who's going to reveal himself to them and move in power in their lives. So today, you will walk out of here with more confidence, with more hope, more peace, as we consider the possibilities of inviting people to experience the story in Jesus with us. So the first thing that just grabbed me from this passage of scripture, I want you to see it up on the screen, is I want you to see how special you are to Jesus. See how special you are. Do you know that Jesus thinks about you all the time? And here's the shocker. He thinks good things about you all the time. Unlike you, you're just like, oh man, that Glenn, I'm just such a, you know. You know how the trash talk, the personal trash talking goes. At least most of us do. Jesus doesn't think that way about you. He is delighted in you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He has nothing but good thoughts towards you. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Did you know it's impossible for you to be overlooked by Jesus? Now, you may not feel that way, but he's always thinking about you. You're always on his mind. And one of the things that teaches us is this, this little passage in this little verse in John 1, 43. I want to put the first part of it up on the screen. It says, and the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And I've read this passage of scripture a lot of times, and I never really put two and two together. But the town where all this action happened in John 1, I mean, there's uh, John the Baptist. He declares that Jesus is the Messiah and sends all of his disciples off to follow Jesus. Then there's this conversation that Andrew and Simon Peter have. Then there's this conversation with Jesus and Philip and Nathaniel. All that happens in a town called Bethany or Bethany beyond the Jordan, if you want to be technical about it. I thought, how far away is that from Galilee? Well, there's Judea. Here's Samaria, and here's Galilee. They're like two provinces away. It's like 60 miles. That's a, that's a long trip. And for those of you who were here, tuned in last Sunday, how fast does Jesus travel? Three miles an hour. He's the three-mile-an-hour God. That's right. Yeah, bonus points for you, bonus points for you. That's a great message, by the way. You should check it out. And so if that's a 60-mile trip, you're about to be just blown away by my math skills. That's 20 hours. <laughs> math genius right here. 20 hours there, 20 hours back. Jesus, he wanted Philip to spend some time with him. And that, isn't that cool? Doesn't that encourage you? He wants to spend time with you. Now back to John 1, 43, you see that verse up on the screen. Jesus, he decided to leave for Galilee and then finding Philip. I love, 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 love this. Finding Philip. Jesus was on the hunt for Philip. 
And so Jesus, he's the son of God. He knows where Philip is, but he wanted Philip to know. He wanted other people to know that he was looking out for Philip. He had his eye on him. He wanted to track him down because Jesus, he's got places to go. He's got people to see. He's got things to do. And he was looking for Philip because he wanted Philip to come along with him. And friends, Jesus, he's looking for you. He's got things to do in your life. He's got people to see. And he wants to bring you in to be a part of the things that he has. He wants you to come along with him, to come alongside him. Jesus is finding you. He's all about looking for you. I wonder what it feels like to have Jesus looking for you. I don't know. You tell me because he's looking for you. Okay, you get it. You get it. You get it. You get it. Back to John 1, 43. And that last phrase, Jesus said to Philip, two little words, follow me, follow me. Now the meaning of these two words is totally lost in translation because if I asked you to follow me, you'd pull out your phone and go, boop, okay, I'm following you now. And uh, yeah, I can hide his posts later. Yeah, for sure. Because you know, I'm a social media influencer, as you know. Not really. I'm really a social media nincompoop. But, but aside from the fact, aside from that, the, to really understand what it, these two words, follow me, mean, we have to look at the meaning of the word disciple. And now if you've grown up in church, if you've been in church, we use that word a lot because it describes the people of God, a disciple. But the, the, the name, the phrase, the statement disciple has a very specific meaning in Jesus' day. Because when you said you were a disciple, that meant that you were following a rabbi. And to truly understand the impact of these words, follow me, we have to understand what happens in Jewish education. You see, they would start off as young children, six to 10 years old, they would memorize the first five books of the Bible. Oh my goodness. Like the first five books that they would be able to recite them. And the best of the best, they would be invited to continue on. In the next session, they would memorize the rest of the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament. They would have it down by memory. And the best of the best of the best, they wouldn't be invited to continue. It's an application process. Because if you wanted to continue, you would have to go find a rabbi, a rabbi that you respected. And you would ask that rabbi, Rabbi, can I be your disciple? If the rabbi decided that you were going to be his disciple, then here's what he would do. This is like for, for 16, 17, 18-year-olds. He would say, okay, if you want to be my disciple, you come moving with me. You're going to be my responsibility. You're going to follow me around everywhere I go. You're going to learn the things that I know. You're, you're eventually going to speak for me. You're going to do things for me. You're going to minister for me. You are going to speak and minister in my name if you're going to be my disciple. And maybe, maybe you're applying to be a disciple with a rabbi. And you know, a rabbi, he's not just going to say, ah, flip a coin. Okay, you're on the team. No, no, no. It's going to be like days of questions. It's going to pepper you. He's going to make sure that you understand God's word, that you understand his teaching, what he believes. And maybe if you don't have it, he might tell you, you know, I can tell that you love God and that you've made your family so proud. And I just, I know you're going to do a great job as you go back and learn your family trade and continue on with them. But if he wanted you to be his disciple, he would say two words to you. It's not an email, a letter of confirmation, no, no certificate. He would say two words to you, follow me. And Jesus, he extends that invitation to the disciples. And all the disciples, kind of losers, when it comes to the educational system, glory to God, there's hope for me. 
They didn't get invited to the second stage, much less the third stage. And they knew when Jesus said those words, Jesus was saying to them the same things he says to you and to me. He says, you've got what it takes. I, I want you to be a part of my posse. I want you to move in with me. I've got things to do. I want you to speak for me and minister for me because I believe in you. Those are some powerful words, friends. And I hope that encourages you. And I hope that blesses you. Because just like the 12 disciples never expected any rabbi to ever tell them, follow me. You and I, we don't expect that either, do we? But nonetheless, Jesus, he calls our name. He points us out. He's coming after us. Oh my goodness. I hope that's helping you as much as it's helping me. Man, the second big thought we learn from this scripture is this, is that your highest calling in life is to help other people experience Jesus. See, when you look at John 1, it starts off with this amazing poetic explanation of who Jesus is. He is the word of God come flesh. And then, and then we, we hear about these conversations that Jesus has with John the Baptist and John the Baptist sends his disciples off, his own disciples to follow Jesus. And, and then there's this conversation. You see, Jesus, Jesus found Andrew. And then Andrew found Simon Peter. Jesus found Philip. And Philip found Nathaniel. You see, you see a, a pattern here? That's what Jesus did with his disciples. That's what his disciples did. That's what the New Testament church did. If you wonder what God's top secret mission is to reach the world for him, this is it. It hasn't changed in over 2,000 years. When God finds you, you find somebody else. That's how the kingdom of God works. Through eons and ages, this is how the kingdom of God grows. This is how Jesus shares his love with people all over the world. Think about this. How many of you have had someone help you experience Jesus? That's all of us. Every single person in the room had someone help them, and you can be that person. You know what? We've got great news, don't we? Great news to share. And I'm so proud of being a part of a church family like you guys. You inspire me so much. You know what we've been able to do together? Perhaps you've heard us mention this this summer. Did you know that we commissioned 140 inmates in a prison in Miami to plant churches in their prison? And that's just one prison. That doesn't include the other prisons where we have influence. Did you know that, that we're planting churches in Muncie? We're planting churches in other cities all over the U.S.? And, you know, we've sent teams to Central Asia for over two decades. Why do we do all that? Because we don't just have good news. We have the best news of all. And the news is this, that Jesus loves you with an everlasting love, that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, that he rose from the dead, and he invites you to be a part of his work so that you can experience him in all his fullness and all his joy and all his goodness. That is some good news, my friends. Oh my goodness, you have the supernatural saving power of Jesus Christ living inside of you. Mm, that's good preaching, Woo, Man, 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 man. And so God is doing all kinds of great things in Union Chapel all over the place. But we believe, we're convinced that this year, 2022, that God's gonna be doing some significant things right here under our noses, right here in our city. 
You know, early in December, we had this little vision and prayer night about the story, and, and we kind of talked about, thought we'd have a few people come. We'll blow our minds like 600 of you showed up to a midweek event on a Wednesday night before Christmas. We've never had that many people come to any midweek event before ever. And there's this sense of expectation that God's getting ready to move. Now, this will really blow you away. I was talking to some friends of mine. I know they're retired and they've got the whole Florida gig going on. You know, like it's like the holy grail for anybody who lives in Muncie, you know, to go to Florida in the wintertime. And they looked at me and said, Glenn, we can't go to Florida this winter because we don't want to miss what God is going to do when the story starts. And I said, bam, that is it. That is it. God is on the move, friends. I want you to know that Jesus, he's placed people in your life so that you can invite them to experience him in their own personal way. Now, if you've been around, I know we, perhaps you've heard about the story prayer card. It's just a little strategy we have. It's super complicated. And I'll tell it to you. If you can pray five minutes a day for five people for five weeks and then invite them to be a part of the story. All you have to do is pray because if you pray, God will start moving. Because I've, I can feel the tension in the room when we talk about sharing our faith. I can feel that tension because there's, it's there. It's real. It's not, you can't just overlook it. But when you pray, God will start to move in those people's lives. You know what happens? God starts moving in you too. So if you're terrified, if this is like, if you're swallowing or thinking, man, I could have stayed home this morning. You start praying. You start praying and you watch what God will do. Watch what God will do in your heart and in you. Watch what God will do in the people that you care about, the people that you're praying for. And the power of God will show up. It's going to be phenomenal. If there ever was a time to do this, the time is now. Look, you guys are part of the elite of the elite. It's staggering the number of Christians who have never, ever shared their faith or invited someone to experience Jesus. And you guys are going to be doing it. It's so exciting. I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. You see, at the end of Jesus' conversation with Nathaniel, Jesus told Nathaniel, he said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Jesus said, you will see greater things than that. And then Jesus added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Well, what is Jesus talking about? This is a direct reference to Jacob's dream in Genesis 28. And Jacob had this dream that literally changed his life. He fell asleep and he saw stairs open up and he saw the angels of God and people ascending and descending on the stairs. Jesus saying, I am the stairs. Later on in John, Jesus says, he says, I'm the door, I'm the gate. And then Jesus said this, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. Well, friends, how are the people in your life? How are they gonna get to the gate? How are they gonna come to the door? How are they going to find the way? Three little words from you, come and see. You can do that. You don't have to preach a sermon. You don't have to have all the answers. All you have to do is say these three words, come and see. Friends, you pray, you invite, and you see God move, which leads us to our third thought today. Check it out on the screen. It says this, stop underestimating the power of your invitation. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> we all do that, don't we? We all downplay our own story 
We look at our failures. We look at our shortcomings and we go, wah, 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 God can't use me. And God does not feel that way at all. You know, we hear stories about how, how people have uh, just struggled with, in the midst of recovery, they've recovered from some addiction, how God just transformed their life. And we also hear stories from people who, who like had this horrible sickness that almost took their life. In the midst of it, they met Jesus and God healed them. And we feel like, well, my story is just, it's just so plain and so simple, but nothing could be further from the truth. Because you want to know what makes a story powerful? It's that it's genuine. You want to know what makes your invitation powerful? It's because it's yours. It's your story. Because it's your story, it's real. Because it's your story, it's authentic. Because it's your story, it's genuine. And because it's your story, it has power. Because Jesus has changed your life. And when you share your story, you're sharing a part of yourself. And as you invite your friends, I want you, people that you love, as you think about inviting them to be a part of the story, as you pray for them, I just want you to expect to be a little bit of resistance. I mean, look at, look at Nathaniel. Philip came to him and said, I found the one, I found the Messiah. And he said, get out of here. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, and we were here for the Christmas series. We know that the Messiah was prophesied to be born where? In Bethlehem. And Jesus was from Nazareth. Now, Jesus, he didn't whip out his birth certificate notarized by the innkeeper. And, you know, I guess the donkeys may have been witnesses. I don't know. That's not what Jesus did, is it? That's not the real question. All Philip said was, come and see. Come and see. And that's all you've got to do. That's all I have to do. Because one of the main reasons that you might be afraid to invite someone to the story and maybe even give them a book is that they're going to have some kind of issue or problem that you can't explain. See, one of my jobs as a pastor is to come along and care for loved people who are going through challenging times. And so early on, Pastor Greg gave me a book. He said, Glenn, this will help you. It was a book by Billy Graham, and it talked about the toughest questions that people have, like the big questions. The pain questions. And I studied that and applied that in my own life. And because when I would talk to people, I'd, they would ask why. Why would God let this happen? Why would God let me go through this? Why would God let someone I love experience that? And finally, I was able to give them an answer. But you know what? My answer didn't seem to help all that much. And here's the reason why. A factual answer cannot address an emotional need. I want, you to, I want you to see this statement up on the screen. What do I say to someone when they ask a difficult question? And the answer, I don't know, come and see. The guy who knows the answer because I bought the book and I read the Bible verses and I've got the answer, I don't give the answer anymore because it doesn't help. Because 90% of the time, people are asking a question, a logical question, but they have this deep emotional need in their heart. Look, there's no way you can meet that. There's no way I can meet that. But Jesus, he's the one who can meet that need. So if you get them to come to Jesus, he's going to answer their big question. Maybe not the question that came out of their lips, but the big question in their heart and in their life. You let Jesus take care of that. That's his job. That's his job. So what's the question behind the question? That's Jesus' answer. Think about this, friends. How many people have been burned by the church? How many people have been burned by a pastor? 
or a Christian. And then they make that assumption that you're like that person that burned them because you know Jesus. No matter how big their disappointment, no matter how big their pain, Jesus is bigger. His love is bigger. His grace is bigger. And he will meet them where they are, just like he met you right where you were. So don't be confused. The power of your invitation isn't dependent upon you. It's dependent upon the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And if you pray, you will see God move. If you use these three words, come and see, you will see people's lives be changed. All right, next point, we're moving on. Holiday sermon, we're moving fast, we're moving fast. Number four, check it out on the screen. Come and see what Jesus will do through you. You are ready. And you go, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You are ready. You are ready. Look, look at Philip. Did Jesus sit down and coach him on what to do with Nathaniel? No. He just sent him out in the middle of his mess, in the middle of his confusion. You don't have to get your stuff together before Jesus calls you. You don't have to get your stuff together before Jesus sends you. Philip and Nathaniel, they teach us that there's no entrance exam, no proficiency test, no probationary period for us to share the love of Jesus with someone else. In fact, the Bible is full of people who figured it out as they went, isn't it? I can't think of a single biblical character who had it all together, who knew everything they needed to know before they started. No, they all grew in the process. And the same thing is true for you and for me. I can tell you one thing for sure. I don't have it all together. And you probably don't either, but I'm just saying, just saying. Let me tell you about friend of mine, he called me up and he said, hey, I've got one of my ex-relatives. You know how that works. He's got one of my ex-relatives and he's not doing great. And I don't know if he knows Jesus. And God won't leave me alone. I'm going to go see him. And he did. And he called me, called me later and said, well, I did it. He prayed with me and I sure hope I didn't mess it up. I laughed out loud. I laughed out loud. Friends, if someone wants to give their lives to Jesus, you can't mess it up. Do you really think that you could short circuit the power that raised Christ from the dead? Do you really think that, that the God of the universe who broke the curse of sin on earth could be stopped by you or me? <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. I don't even think anybody else knows about it. And then before Christmas, I went with a friend to visit her grandfather. He's kind of pushed God away in the past and, and he wasn't doing well. He had a dream that got his attention. And I was just there for encouragement and support. You know what she did? She grabbed her grandpa's hand, a person whom she's been praying for for years and led him to Jesus. <laughs> How good is that? How amazing is that? Friends, if you pray, if you invite, God will move. We kind of pulled together this little prayer guide. Um, it's available at the information desk probably, but basically it's a, it's a story prayer guide. It's, and it's kind of a 555 prayer guide. You can see it as it comes up on the screen. It's super complicated. It's super difficult. <laughs> if you pray for five people, five minutes a day for five weeks, and then invite them to be a part of the story. And maybe you can... Think about the people whom you're going to invite and just ask God, God, who do you want me to invite? And take some time to listen. Now, in all honesty, 
I didn't really take a whole lot of time to listen. I had a name or two. But when I stopped and started listening to God, this list came up. I'm like, oh my gosh. If you listen to him, he'll give you people to invite. And if you pray, he will move. There's a little statement on that prayer guide at the very end of it. And it says this. It's my favorite line on the whole thing. The only way to mess this up is to not do it. And that's true, friends. That's true. Which leads us to our next thought today. It's this. See it on the screen. Number five, come and see what it is like to know Jesus personally. Yeah, you, you, you. Come and see what it's like to know Jesus. That's why Jesus said, before Philip found you, I saw you under the tree. Jesus is saying, I saw you. I see you. I know you. I get you. I understand you. I know what you're going through. And he loves you. Jesus sees you. Look at Nathaniel. He thought the question was, where is Jesus from? But the real question, the question behind the question for Nathaniel is, can I trust this guy? Is he for real? Philip didn't have to do anything. He said, here you go, come and see. And Jesus, he took care of the rest because nobody knows you like Jesus. He knows you better than you do. And put yourself in Nathaniel's shoes. I wanna challenge you, I wanna challenge you to push your preconceptions aside, to push your pain aside and to offer yourself to Jesus, to open up your mind to him like maybe you never have before because he loves you. He's crazy about you. He's delighted in you. He loves you for who you are, not for what you can do, not for what you've done. He loves you because you are his and he welcomes you into his family. Friends, Nathaniel came to Jesus with doubt. Maybe even a little belligerent. You see, when Nathaniel came to Jesus, Jesus offered him a compliment. He said, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What did Nathaniel say? Basically, he said, who the heck are you? How do you know me? So your friend's opposition, your, your own opposition, you're not going to offend Jesus. He's still beckoning you. Come to me. Come follow me. Come be my disciple. I've got a plan for you. And Nathaniel, he came to Jesus with doubt, like we all do, like we all do. Look, I've been doing this for over two decades, and I still have doubts. There's still things that I don't know. I still haven't figured it all out. Here's what we do. We, we come to Jesus. Just like Nathaniel, the questions you have in your head usually have something to do with your heart. Jesus, he's not the pastor who failed you. He's not the loved one who misunderstands you. He's not the Christian who betrayed you. He's not the dad that forgot you. Jesus is the savior who knows you. He gets you. He loves you. He loves the good and he loves the bad. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. What better time than right now to give your life to Jesus? What better time to settle the score and push all those doubts and fears aside and give your life to the God of the universe who's calling out to you. I just want to read a couple of verses before we close. 
The first one's this. It's Psalm 34, 8, and it says this, one of my favorite verses. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. The second one is this. James 5, 16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And if you think, well, too bad I'm not righteous. Well, too bad if you know Jesus, you have his righteousness. So your prayers are powerful and they are effective. I want to invite the worship team to come up. And as they come up, um, I want you to bow your head and open your eyes. I want you to pull out your phone. Maybe you've got the Union Chapel app. Maybe you have a note-taking app, or maybe you have like a piece of paper and a pen. You're like old school, rocking the old school thing. There we go. We've got a few pen and papers out there. And I, wanna, I just want you to feel super awkward right now. And I want to challenge you to start writing down the names of people who you're going to pray for. Invite to be a part of the story. And maybe you can pick up a book on the way out for them. I know some of you have already written the names down, but... But just write them down again. Maybe you've never written those names. I want to challenge you to write them down. That means you can look at your phone. You can do this. Because here's what happens when we write them down. It becomes real. Because Monday is coming, and it's got a bazillion distractions that are going to make you forget about all the crazy stuff that God is doing in your heart this morning. And so write them down. Write them down. Put them in your note. Email them to yourself. Whatever they may be, that way they're in front of you so that you'll remember to pray. It's little prayers. Five minutes a day, five days a week, and look what God will do. All right, so now it's time to close our eyes as we pray. Jesus, we come before you and we feel the wonder of your love. We are amazed by your wondrous grace. It's so hard to wrap our minds around. And Jesus, thank you that the same way you feel about us is the same way you feel about all those people in our lives. And maybe we're terrified right now, Jesus. We're terrified to think about inviting these people, about sharing our story. And maybe all we can do is make a commitment to pray. And so before God, as a part of this church, whether you're at home or in the room, if you're willing to commit to God, God, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for some people. I'm gonna pray five minutes a day. I'm just, I'm gonna pray for them. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Good for you, good for you, good on you. If you're willing to pray for people, if you're willing to pray for God to give you people, raise your hand, raise your hand as a statement to God. Good for you. That's right, that's right. That's what we're talking about. And so God, we pray. We pray for courage. We pray for opportunities. We ask that you would remind us that you would help Those people in our lives feel your love. Help them say yes when we invite them. And most importantly, help them say yes to you, Jesus. And I know there's some of you, you can't shake the thought that you haven't decided yourself to follow Jesus. You haven't said yes to being his disciple. You haven't given your life to him. Maybe you're holding on to the pain of your past. How many of you are standing in the shadows because you can't make sense of it all? I want to invite you right now, right here, to come and see. Come and see what it's like to have your shame washed away. Come and see what it's like to experience the forgiving grace of God. And come and find the answer to the question behind your question. And friends, this is a praying church. There's people in this room and watching online who know Jesus. And they are praying for you right now. They're praying for the power of God to penetrate your life and your heart. For you to feel his love and his grace. And for you to respond. That's a statement of faith. Let me challenge you. 
If you're ready to give your life to Jesus, I just want to ask you to raise your hand right here. Raise your hand. If you're ready to see, yes, good for you, good for you, good for you. If you're ready to come to Jesus, raise your hand. It's time to follow him. Here's what we're going to do, friends. We're going to all pray out loud together. Nobody at Union Chapel prays alone. This is a family. This is a church that loves you. So please repeat after me. Here we go. Dear Jesus, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm reaching out to you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you paid for my sin and I choose to follow you. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for giving me hope. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live for you. Use me to change the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, let's put our hands together for all the people who've committed their lives to Jesus today for the first time. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. We serve an amazing God. And this God we serve, he's worthy of praise. Let's stand to our feet and sing to him.